You're listening to the regular podcast from Pete the Vet's blog. This was first broadcast on East Coast FM. Vet is here, Pete Weatherburn from Brave Vet. Morning, Pete. Good morning, good morning. Good morning to you. That was an amazing programme that you were involved with on TV3 about the puppy farms. The you animal... Andrea Hayes, yeah. Animal A&E investigated. Wasn't it? Wasn't it shocking? Yeah. Um, and still, as we stand, the... the Puppy farm legislation has not been introduced. It's a year and a half since the doll passed it and it's still not been signed off by the minister. It's really shocking. Um, in fact, today, being the day that it is, I'm making a call that, Minister, please sign that legislation and let it be the first piece of legislation that's signed in by the new president. Wouldn't that be a, a nice symbol of, of yeah, yeah. new we'll, commitment? We'll be mentioning presidents now and all that sort of stuff. We don't be talking about those things, but I take the point. <laughs> okay. Um, who's the minister for whatever it is, the environment, is it? it Phil Hogan, is it? It is indeed, right, yeah. Okay. It is. It's, it's quite complicated because it is tied up with a, with a legislation affecting greyhounds as well. And there are some if you like, genuine reasons why, why things have been slower than they might be. But although they're slower than they might be, they're certainly not as fast as they might be. Now, and they had in their manifesto, Finnequail, that they were going to abolish the ruling on stag hunting that the Greens brought Well, in. I'm quite happy for them to go slowly on that one. <laughs> yeah. It was something maybe in there to get it out a few votes, you know. The way yeah. Yeah. And they won't even do it. Do you know the usual? I hope yeah. they won't do that one I because that not. would be a real yeah. retrograde yeah. step for animals. Right, mm. okay. Um, as regards the animals, and it's no harm in doing this again, and we mentioned it with uh, uh, Miriam Kearns briefly in the DSPCA, we mentioned mm. it with uh, Sergeant John Fitzpatrick, the Gardaí, but animals have a torrid time, don't they, over uh, this ha- weekend? Over Halloween, yes, they do now, there's f- I think there's fewer uh, fireworks out there and bangers out there, but um, the guards thinks there's still quite a few. I think this weekend we're certainly going to hear lots of bangs and squeals and whistles and if you think that animals' sense of hearing is thousands of times more sensitive than ours um, and they don't understand what Halloween is, they don't know why it's happening for, the, for them it's absolutely terrifying now I have to say that most animals cope with it quite well, like my own dog Spot he'll get a bit, a bit fussed and he'll run around the room a bit, looking a bit anxious, and then after five minutes he'll get used to the sound and realise it's no big deal, and he'll settle down and carry on as ever. But there's a minority of dogs out there that get hysterically upset, and they literally spend the whole night running up and down the stairs, jumping onto tables, trying to hide under chairs, um, just getting really het up about it. And those animals, um, if, if you know your pet's like that, what you ought to do is go to the vet and talk to them about emergency short-term measures. And that would include sedation in the form of tablets. And the station have two really good effects. First of all, they stop the dogs feeling as anxious about stuff. But secondly, and very importantly, they have a memory uh, um, a memory losing effect. So what that means is the dog doesn't remember being frightened. Um, and that's a really useful thing because part of the reason they get hysterically upset is that they remember being frightened the last time they heard the bangs and whistles and it's kind of it, it just it gets them even more het up so medication can make a huge difference and i think that a message that should go out to all pet owners at this time of year is make sure that your pet has id on it um ideally microchipped but in addition a tag around the neck because um on the on the monday after uh, on the tuesday morning after the bank holiday um, the animal shelters are inundated with lost animals that turn up because what happens is a frightened dog or cat will just run um, in fear and they'll get out of their own locality and then they get lost and if they're lost without any ID well they might as well be thousands of miles from home because you'll have a very hard time getting them back so make sure your pet carries ID this weekend 
Okay, thanks for the piece. Now I know you're you're rushing away. You've got uh, some surgery to do. So rather than uh, go to the phones, I'll read you out a question that just came in straight away. Uh, hi, Declan and Pete. I have a question about my 21 month old boxer Labrador. Uh, boxer Lab, it says. Presumably mm-hmm. that's a Labrador. Yeah. Um, he's uh, losing weight and is very greedy with food. Uh, we warmed him every three months and uh, did it just this week, but he's still getting thinner. Well, there could well be some medical problem going on there. There's two problems in particular spring to mind. One of them is that some dogs stop producing enough enzymes from their pancreas. What that means is the food isn't digested properly anymore, and it just passes right through the dog's body to the other end. And that means that nutrients in the food can't be absorbed. And animals like that, can they're ravenously hungry because their body is hungry, but however much they eat, they can't get the goodness from the food. And so they, they eat lots and lots of lots of food but they look they lose weight and lose weight and they actually become emaciated eventually they're like walking skeletons if they're not given treatment now diagnosis is simple you go to the vet and the vet takes a blood sample and the blood sample is tested for pancreatic enzymes and um, once the diagnosis has been made it's very easily treated by actually adding enzymes to the food before the dog eats it so the food is digested if you like before it goes into the dog's stomach and so then all the nutrients can be absorbed Right. Now that's a special diagnosis um, and there are other ones as well like for example um, there are some diseases where the small intestine um, abnormal cells move into the intestinal wall and um, they stop the intestine from absorbing food properly so again uh, however much dog eats they can't get the nutrients out of it Now both of those diseases um, there Come are on, a rareness on that they're, they're rare enough, they're both rare enough I might diagnose one of those cases perhaps every year as a vet in practice. I might see one new case of each of those every year. So it's not something I see every week or every month, but once a year, maybe, yes. Um, and it's a diagnosis that needs to be made by a vet. A vet would examine an animal and they'd get certain clues from, from just doing that. I mean, it might be something much, much simpler. And the first thing first thing we do whenever we see a case like that, generally, is just check exactly what the dog's getting to eat. And, you know, sometimes it's as simple as the person isn't feeding the right type of food or isn't feeding the animal For often that dog. Enough. I mean, yeah. if, if it says yeah. dog food on the tin, I mean, or on the pack, it. That's dog food. That's that's dog food, right? Nah, it's not. You nah. can't sort of say that's the right or wrong type of food for, for the individual animal. You can yeah, say that. Yeah, but you can say that for the individual animal. Yeah. And, but given in good faith. You know yeah. I mean? No, like if it says dog food, you're right. It's dog food. It'd be good for the vast majority of dogs. But there are some particular animals which need to have a more of a specialised food, whether it's got different types of proteins or different types of digestibility or different types of quality of protein. But again, the, the person's vet would be the best person to advise them on on how to proceed with that case. And it can be as simple as changing the diet, changing the feeding regime, and weighing the dog every two weeks for the next couple of months. And, you know, that doesn't need to involve a huge amount of investment. You know, blood tests and other things to to investigate disease, that does get expensive. But the simple approach of just changing the the feeding and weighing the dog regularly, that's a really inexpensive and easy way to to identify is there is you know, is there something simple going on there or is it more complicated? Right, and if it's more complicated uh, to get a diagnosis, first of all, it costs mm. a few quid, but then you have to buy these enzymes. Unf- unfortunately, the enzymes are quite expensive these days. Used to be, you'd go along to the local slaughterhouse and say, can I have some cow pancreases, please? And they'd give you the cow pancreases and you'd chop them up into bits and put them into your dog's food. And that, the pancreases contained enzymes, and that was great. But nowadays, with all the legislation around... Um, s- 
slaughterhouses and the control of BSE, of, yeah, and, and yeah, all, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, it, it's not you can't do that anymore, unfortunately. So that means that you have to buy special pre-prepared enzymes and little capsules, and they're jolly expensive. So it's an unfortunate side of it. Again, another argument for pet insurance. You know, once you pet insure, you don't have to worry about that side of it. Just do what's best for the animal, and that's that's why I hope they do have. If that dog does have something complicated, it'll make their life much simpler if, if he's already insured. All right. Okay. Thanks for that, Pete. Thank you. Best of luck. Um, Pete whizzing in and whizzing out this morning. I've got to go and operate in a duck now, believe it or not. A duck? A duck. A duck with a sore joint. Oh, really? Where did you find it? Is it wild? Somebody brought it No, in it's or? a pet duck. Pet, do people have pet ducks? Of course they do. I mean, I you obviously that. haven't met a pet duck. They're haven't. Very, no. They're very charming creatures. <laughs> <laughs> they, make, they make a most delightful quack. You have such a varied life. <laughs> All right, let's know how you get on. Maybe discuss it with us next week. Okay, that. we'll do great. That. All right, thanks very much indeed. Peter Weatherburn there from Brave Vet. And um, this was a live broadcast. However, you can hear this again, should you wish to, on Pete's website, which is petethevet.com.